a new series where we're talking about who Lake Avenue Church is and who we continue to aspire to be. Last week we spoke about the mission and really the mission of, of who God has created all churches to be, this mission of making sure the gospel is proclaimed. Um, and we are continuing that series this morning with our vision. Um, and we have the great privilege of inviting back one of our pastors um, who has served us well over many years and continues to spiritually care for this congregation in prayer and from a distance. Greg, we are so grateful that you have come to join us in this moment, and I'm so excited to hear from you in just a second. We're going to talk about our vision, and that vision comes uh, from Colossians 1 verses 28 and 29, as is our tradition. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? <clears throat> he, that is Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Lord God, you have given us these words, these words on a page that have been brought to us over the centuries. God, brought to us in your spirit. God, I pray in your mercy and grace that as Greg speaks, you would speak through him so that we would know your newness in our life. For we pray it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. I tell you, um, thank you for this warm welcome, and I think you're about the best-looking group of people I've ever seen. <laughs> you all look younger than when I left. Uh, the only thing that would make you look better is if Chris were here. Uh, she couldn't come this time, but I can already tell you from talking with some of you, I better not come again without her. She is surely streaming this service like so many others are doing. And Chris and I, most weeks, have been worshiping together with you here because you are in our hearts. And I just feel so, I can't even tell you how happy I am to be here. Uh, Jeff, Pastor Jeff called this homecoming and it's what it really feels like for me to be here with you. I, I'm, so I wanna thank him. Chuck, you too, and all who, whoever is responsible for this opportunity for me to come and speak. I'm just really, really grateful for this privilege. And I'll tell you, I'm also thankful for the topic that Jeff assigned to me, and that's exactly what he did. Um, we are looking through what we call this guiding statement. It was developed when I was pastor here. That's kind of a boring title for something that I think is really thrilling. 
it, it tells us what we're about. It, 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 it tells us about the things that are important to us. And last week, Pastor Jeff opened this up by taking us to our mission. And, and Chuck, you're exactly right. It's the same mission every church where Jesus is the Lord should have this mission that we're going to make disciples. And um, the way that, that we really put it here is that we're going to be following Jesus and of course, as we do that, we're going to participate in God's reconciling work. That, that phrase, reconciling. Taking what is broken, God is going to do this and bring it back together. Reconciling, taking what's become hostile. And boy, we have a lot of that in our world. And making peace. And uh, this would be a place where that is happening. We're going to participate in what God is doing by making disciples and of all people and of all generations. Last night I got to be, the first time I got, fell in love with Lake Avenue Church, I was actually sitting down at Mi Piace in old Pasadena, uh, just watching the whole world go past, all ages, all nations, and I just thought, this, this is our eternal destiny, and I just wanted to be a part of it. And then after I met, after I met you, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. So today, what Jeff's asked me to do, moving from that mission, is into the vision. And it's much shorter than the mission statement. So we, we simply say, presenting each one complete in Christ. That means that when you become a part of Lake Avenue Church, the thing that we are committed to, we will do it imperfectly, though with the work of the Spirit it will be done perfectly. But we are committed to you becoming what God created you to be absolutely complete in Christ. That if you bring your children here, or children, if you bring your parents here, <laughs> that's the thing that we want to happen when you're a part of this church, that you go from where you are now to what, where God promises you will be. Actually, every time you come onto the campus here uh, at, at Lake, you should be able to see this. So I'm gonna put a picture of our Maple Street building up here. Is it up there? Not yet. Is the anticipation worth it here? <laughs> so let's see if we can get that. Maybe we didn't get it. Well, you can, can you imagine? <laughs> I can only imagine. Can you imagine that on that beautiful, if it comes up, just you know, let me know by your smile or something. Um, so if, if you look at that beautiful piece of art, glass artwork, on it we have put a Bible verse. So when you leave church, I want you to look up at that and see it again. And what it says um, is this, Isaiah 61, 3, the second part. They, and we were thinking when we put that up, we were thinking of the children who come into Lake Avenue Church and go into that Maple Street building. They will be called, if they make this their church, Oaks of Righteousness. They will be called a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I mean, it's very poetic, very beautiful language, at least I think so. But when you imagine it, it means every child that comes here, we want them to grow, to become like those beautiful oaks, oaks of righteousness, which means everything right about it, not all of those flaws and things that are so characteristic of all of us in this fallen world with this end that we will display the splendor of God himself. That's what we long for. So if, uh, if you have children or grandchildren, I'm telling you, that's what we pray will happen when they're a part of this community of faith. 
But what I want to say today is it's not just for the children. It's not just for the children. It's not just for our students either, and it's for them too. It's not just they that God says, I'm going to complete something in their lives. I'm going to make them what I created you to be in the first place. And before sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3 and messed up everything, I'm going to remake it. I'm going to refashion it, displaying God's splendor. The way we put it in our guiding statement is complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. It's not quite as poetic. It might be clearer. It means that when you see Jesus, you see what it's going to look like to reveal, make known the splendor of God, the glory of God. Then we look at ourselves and say, this is going to be quite a trip. <laughs> because we look in the mirror and we know ourselves, we complain about everybody else. But can I have a witness here? Anybody here know that you're not complete in Christ? And we're a whole church of that. So there's a big work that God has to do here. Remember Denny Balesi, anybody who is here longer than I have been. The, the, uh, the man who was preaching just before I came kept looking at all of you and just saying, you're a piece of work here, but you're God's piece of work. And he's good at this working on these pieces of things. So I'm gonna, we'll see if it gets up here. I wanna read you that text again and add one verse to it that Chuck just read for us. Uh, this is what he says, Colossians chapter one, beginning the second part of uh, verse 27. The glorious riches of God's mystery is Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. So we proclaim Christ, admonishing each one. And this is the Waybright translation, but I tell you, it's exactly the way that Paul wrote it with these three each ones, admonishing each one, teaching each one with all wisdom, so that we may present each one as complete in Christ. And then Paul just says, and it's to that end that I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. I'll tell you, if you look at that and keep looking at that verse, um, it will help you to understand so many things that we do here at Lake. You can begin to anticipate what we pray will happen in your life if you really become a part of this church or remain a part of this church. In the last part of the Bible, we see the fullness of this vision and who is going to be made complete in Christ. You know how much I love it. In places like Revelation 7, 9, he tells us who is going to be there and be in this family where each one is complete in Christ, the oaks of righteousness, making known the splendor of God, every tribe, every language, every nation. And it's not just around the throne of God. This is the point I want to make today as we think about this vision. It's not just that everybody around the throne of God will have believed in Jesus, though, though that's going to be true and that's essential. It's more than that. It's that everybody who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus enters into a process of God giving his spirit to us and remaking us until each one around that throne will be complete in Christ. It's even hard to imagine looking around us here at Lake Avenue Church that this can happen to all of us. But, but God can do what we can't do. I, I have found this to be such a life-transforming ministry for me. This has driven my whole way of thinking about church and, and ministry. It, it is the vision that Jesus had before him when he was willing to go to the cross to bear the sins that keep us from becoming complete. 
I read the language, this, you know, Colossians, the verse was written by the Apostle Paul. I read it, it is this vision that made him leave a life of affluence in his own community and be willing to go out to people that he had formerly hated. And many of them hated him and, and would persecute him. But why did he go to Gentiles and Samaritans and all sorts of people and call them into the kingdom of God? Why was he willing to be shipwrecked? And be, because he saw this that the pain in this world won't last forever, amen? It won't last forever. And God is at work in us and in a church. It should be also through us. And our vision is we're gonna be a part of this. This is the vision. And when I was writing my dissertation at, uh, in Cambridge, England, I was also having my devotions and began reading this and saying, this is what God is doing in my life. And I was so encouraged, because I could look in the mirror and see how far I was from where God would have me to be. And I saw that the centerpiece of God actually doing this, taking us from where we are, to where he promises, we'll be free from shame and, and guilt, free, free from the temptations that so many times grip our lives, where we wonder, is there ever going to be any liberation? Set us free and make us begin to look, be conformed to the very image of Jesus. I looked at that and I saw the local church planted in real communities like Pasadena, California. That's where this is supposed to happen. And that's the vision that keeps us going here. So it's, it, I thought, do we call this a journey? That's a word I always like to use. So I thought, let's just think of it as a trip. Because it is a long trip from where we are to where we will be. Do you ever have times, you know, I've been a follower of Jesus well over 60 years. I still look and I say, why, Father, am I not farther along in this journey? Will it ever be done? And today I want to, I'll, I'll encourage myself, <laughs> and then I'll encourage you. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. So I'm going to just put my comments to you in, in that form of a, of a trip we're taking, we're, because it's, we're doing it together as a church family. So let, let's see where the trip begins. And that's why we take, go back to Colossians 1.27. It begins here. God's mystery is this, Paul wrote. It is Christ in you. And it, that is plural. So we might even want to say it's Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. That's how we're going to make the splendor of God known. That's where we're going to be complete so that when people see us, they see what God is like. The hope is that Christ is in you. Now, you might wonder, why does he call that a mystery? You're with me still, aren't you? This, you have to dig in here a little bit. Paul was writing to a church in a city in Colossae. It's now in Turkey. It's not very far from, from Ephesus. I've been there a number of times. One of the things that seemed to have been happening in that city is that there were people there, other religious groups there, that were called mystery religions, mystery. So it was a big part of the language of the people that would, he would have been writing to. And some of this way of thinking of mystery religions had seeped into the church, as things in the world so often do, you know. What happens there comes in here, and then we have to open up the Bible and get it, try to get ourselves back on track with him. The, the way that mystery, and it's kind of hard for us to understand, but I, I'm going to have an illustration. You may hate it, but it's the best one I could think of. The mystery religion people would say, and, and some of them claim to be Christians, would say, yes, you can have your other religion if you want, but there is a deeper knowledge that nobody else knows about. 
And you really can't become everything that you were meant to be until you enter into our mystery group and get this special knowledge that we alone have and that our leader alone can give to you. So in that, they held themselves at arm's length as really better than anybody else because they had a deeper mystery, a knowledge of it that nobody else had. Are you with me still? I thought, what on earth is this like in our day? And, and the closest thing I could come to, it's like these things, and they've always been around, but they seem to be flourishing now. These conspiracy theories that people keep coming up with, the kind of notion of this idea, I know that every other scholar, every, every piece of research that anybody's doing in all the world are saying this or that or this or that, but we are the only ones that have the real knowledge and everything going wrong in this world, and you've got to join our group, our ideology, our politic, in order to get the mystery made known to you because we know more than anybody else does. That spirit is around in our world, don't you think? Yeah, I got a few amens there. <laughs> so you know what Paul says? Okay, let me tell you what the real mystery is. The mystery is not that there is a God. The mystery is not that God has promised that all who come to him are going to find a new life in him. That's, that's not what the, because that's in the Bible from the very beginning. From the very first time when people walked away from God, even though they had sinned, you look, read in Genesis chapter 3, God already gave us an idea that he was going to change things, make them better, because he's going to send somebody who would actually crush the head of the serpent. You know that section in Genesis 3? He is going to send somebody who will crush evil and all of its effects. Who on earth is this? And then as you go on in places like Genesis chapter 12, he begins to, to fulfill this by drawing together a people with Abraham as the one who was the father, the beginner of that people. And he said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, but I'm not just going to bless you for yourself. I'm going to make you a blessing for all peoples. It's already there. And then when you come into the Psalms and there's so many of the prophets in the Bible, uh, like, like the text that I want you to look at, when you walk outside and look at that artwork, he already tells us that my people, when I am done, are going to grow into being oaks of righteousness, everything right, whose lives will display the splendor of God. See, so it's, that wasn't the mystery. So what is this mystery that Paul talks about here and in other places? It's how he was going to do it. Who is the one who is going to come into this world and be able to do that sort of thing? And he says, here is that mystery then. It is Jesus Christ. He alone came into this world and lived a complete life. He alone, when he came, was already that oak of righteousness that made known the splendor of God. He came and lived the life that all of us should be living, but none of us is living that way. And then he was willing to die the death that we all desire, deserve to die because of our sin. And all who come to him, first of all, have our sins forgiven. That, that's, that's hallelujah stuff. We, 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 we first had that. But then, do you remember what Jesus said? While he was going to go to, to the cross to die, he was with his disciples. And they didn't want him to leave. And Peter says, I'll die for you. And Philip said, we don't need all that dying stuff. <laughs> Just show us your glory. And Jesus says, no, you need to know this. It's better for me to go 
so that someone else can come who won't be limited by time and space the way that Jesus chose to be when he took on human flesh. I am going to be able to give you the Holy Spirit. You as unholy people, having sins taken care of by a holy Jesus who is willing to take our place, is now make it possible for the Holy Spirit of Christ to come into our lives. And now you can be remade, sins forgiven, life recreated as the, re as the creator comes back and into your life. It is Christ in you. Christ in you, that is the hope of glory. Amen. Now I'm telling you, this has application uh, to all of us as individuals, and I think it has an application to us as a church too. Uh, for us as individuals, uh, to you, I just, I just want to make sure of this in church today. I hope you never leave Lake without making sure of this. I must ask you, have you brought Jesus into the center of your life? Have you brought Jesus into the center of your life? Not just that you believe that it's true, but by faith, praying something like this. Lord Jesus, the other things have really been my God. I've been trusting in other things. I've really, in many times, you might even say, I've been living for myself. But now I see it. I see my failures. I see my sins. I, I see my need. I confess them to you and, and I turn to you and I bring you into my life, receiving your cleansing. Lord Jesus, I believe in you and you might just wanna pray this, I believe in you. I affirm that this morning at Lake Avenue Church. I confess my sins to you, take them and throw them as far as east is from the west. Here is my life, I'm, I trust you, you are my savior. You are my Lord. So that, that's a part of what's happening here, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the beginning of this trip, that, that's when you come alive to God. But there is a more here than just individually us coming to faith and that's, that's there. Place your faith in Jesus, you come alive to God, born again, born again. But the, I wanted to make the point, I think I put it, if you could see the notes up there earlier, that Christ in you is plural. He was writing to a church just like us that was in the city of Colossae. One of the things he wanted all of them to see was this is what knits us together. Whatever is happening in the world, whatever things are dividing the people of this world, when we look at one another in a church, it is not just Christ in me, as I've been your pastor, it is Christ in us. He has come, he knits us together by his presence, his spirit dwelling within us individually, but among us. And it, it, it is that that makes it so that there should be nothing that happens in this world that ever divides what he has brought together through the blood of Jesus who gives us the gift of his spirit so that we like all people, and I don't know if you know, I'm the interim chaplain at Wheaton College right now. I've been commuting every week when I go in there. Um, so when we, uh, when we come together, there are all sorts of things that we disagree about and battle about across generations and across race and across politics. But we as Christians have heard 
the word of Jesus saying the only way that they will know that the Father has sent me is by your love for one another and Paul's absolute command saying, I'm sitting in a prison and I'm here because I brought the gospel to you. So I'm gonna tell you to do one thing, do not divide what God has brought together. See, the implications of this are huge for us as a church, don't you think? It is Christ in us. It is Christ in us. How is Lake Avenue Church ever going to become the kind of place that God would have us to be? It's because he is here. Christ in us is the hope of us together making known the glory of God. I, I just really think about this so much, Denny's words, you're all really a piece of work and I just join you and I'm one of you. How are we ever going to make the splendor of God known? And this is it. The hope of us as pieces of work <laughs> becoming God glorifiers is that Christ is among us and he can do what we can't do. So that's where it begins. That's where it begins. Now, here we go to the hard part. How do we get then together and individually from where we are to the destination? You've got, you've got to be made alive to God or you can't even be on the trip, right? But when you're in a trip, you have a long journey to go. You have, there's a long process to take place. And he uses three words, a proclaiming, admonishing, teaching. And essentially what he says is this, the way we get from where we are, it's just a, this is a, um, a, a corporate trip. You're not going on it alone. You're going with a whole lot of brothers and sisters, and they might not have been ones you chosen, but God chose them for us. And he's brought us here. It's a corporate trip. So God's work to finish his work in us, together and individually, is through the work of his Holy Spirit within the community of the church. It means when hard times come, we don't give up on one another. It means, it means when we wonder where God is, he says, I'm there. It means when we say, I, these people get on my nerves, he says they got on mine and I sent my son to die for them. And, and by the way, for you too. Uh, so, so, so it has to happen with, and, and here, and throughout this guiding statement, uh, what he's going to be doing, and we'll be hearing from the pulpit, is putting a lot of flesh on the bones of what I'm gonna say, but these three words are, are absolute essentials, and here they go, proclaiming. Here at Lake Avenue Church, and every church that is going to be involved in, in God's reconciling work, we have to proclaim Christ. Proclaim Christ. Now, this is a bigger word in the book of, Philipp uh, of Colossians than you might think. I mean, when, when I say we've got to proclaim Christ, you'll think, well, yes, you'll call people to faith in the Lord Jesus, and that surely is it. I've already told you. You can't even begin on the trip unless you know who Jesus is. If, if you don't, haven't heard a witness to who he is and know that you need to place your faith in him, you can't come alive to God. So uh, we, we have to do that for sure, and that's why I make sure that, that, that I call you almost every time to believe in Jesus. And later on, we're gonna see why this is a value for us, that we are an evangelizing community. You'll see it in the guiding statement, and we'll be talking more about that. But I want you to know there's more to that word proclaiming Christ in the book of Colossians than just giving the gospel message. Because if you look, the bad part of showing up and only getting into 
at the end of chapter one is you haven't seen what's earlier in chapter one. <laughs> and one of the best parts of chapter one is a song that actually made it into the book of, Philippians, of Colossians. There's one in Philippians too. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. I don't know if you have a Bible in front of you or if you can get your phone to go back to it. But it's, it's that, that the songs of the Jewish people who came to Jesus were always the Psalms. But now after Jesus and all the other people coming in, we needed some songs about Jesus. So that when Paul says you've got to sing psalms and hymns, the hymns almost certainly are songs like that one. And this song about Jesus Christ, this Christ that we proclaim, it tells us things like this. You can read it as I just say. It says, you know, anything in this world, he created it. All things were made through him. He is before all things. That Jesus is the one who holds all things together. They were all made for him. And that Jesus Christ is the head of this church and he is the one who through his blood on our behalf is the reconciler of all things. So he's already been talking about who Jesus Christ is that we proclaim. Now when you think about that kind of Christ that he talks about, do you see that there is no aspect of anything that we can learn or study or think in this world that isn't touched by the fact that Jesus is the one who made it it was made for him, he sustains it all. That every issue we address must be addressed with Christ as the Lord and that he has relevance with him at the center. Are you with me here? I'll just tell you, I'm at Wheaton College right now. When we were looking at this text, and I'm a trustee there too, we began to think everything we study in an undergraduate program, whether it is political science, whether it is uh, the natural sciences, whether it is the social sciences, any, anything that we study is changed when we know that this kind of Jesus Christ is the Lord of all things. So we took time to intentionally and strategically, just a few years ago, re-engineer the entire academic curriculum, which is called Christ at the Core. Christ at the core. When I think about what we have to do here as a church, we have to address all the issues that people face in this world or the gospel of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ is irrelevant to the issues that people face. And we have been wrestling with things. We've had different kinds of pandemics with viruses. How does God allow those things to happen? Racial pandemics that have been going on, we can't bury our heads in the sand and become what I call ostrich Christians and ignore them. But what we have to do is look at them with Jesus as the Lord and ask him to give us together as those who have brought Christ into ourselves to give us wisdom as to how we can address them, how we can walk together all through them and never give up on anyone, even if they disagree, to learn to, to speak graciously, but always, always, always to say, it is through the blood of Christ you have brought us to you and into this family together, and Jesus is the Lord, so we must show his way, we must seek him together, and then together find ways to glorify him. I, as I've um, thought about what this looks like, I thought about a lesson I learned from uh, Pastor Paul Cedar. He was one of the former pastors of the church. He, uh, he's been my mentor. Um, 
So he was the president of the denomination where I was a pastor before I came to Lake. That was the Evangelical Free Church of America. So he became the I also then chaired for five years the foreign missions board of the Evangelical Free Church. It's called Reach Global. Now, I, I imagine you can believe this, but even though our missionaries were fully committed followers of Jesus, they were still not yet complete in Christ. Are you shocked? Well, just look around you. That's all of us, so that's, we can't be too, too critical. Uh, we found out because, you know, so many really good missionaries have to be really independent. They have to be able to get out there and do things on their own. But that also makes it hard sometimes for them to get along. And so we had on two of our major mission fields just battles going on among the um, missionaries. And I will never forget when Paul Cedar called me up and he says, Greg, we're going to have to do some reconciling work. So I'm going to, we're calling them off the field to come in. I'm going to be meeting with you, and I, need, I want you to come and join me in this. I said, I don't want to. <laughs> he said, but you're good at it. I said, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. It's, it's just really, really hard. But then, you know, I felt like the Lord would have me go. So we went. And I'll tell you, the, uh, the language was really harsh. The accusation's just fierce. And I'll never forget what Paul Cedar said. And if any of you remember Paul, you can almost hear his voice saying this. After they had been going at one another with hate-filled words, he just looked at them softly but firmly and said, I don't see anything of the spirit of Christ in what you have just said. And unless we engage with one another, knowing that he lives in us, and we are here to show his ways to one another, we will demean the name of God. Let's take a break, and we'll come back again. Proclaiming Christ is not just telling people about Jesus, it is that but it is also dealing with one another in the way we speak, the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we see one another and treat one another. When we do it in the ways that we see Jesus doing it in the Bible, I'll tell you that is when God is glorified. So we proclaim Christ. Yeah, amen, thank you. May it happen for us. So I'll just tell you what you already know. It's easier for me to preach this to you than, to, than it is to live it out. But I'm on the journey, and God's not done with me yet. So I better move along. Just a couple of other words. Second, not only do we proclaim him, we have to learn to admonish one another with all wisdom. The word admonish means warning. Um, it's a hard thing for us to do, and it's often very negative because it feels like sometimes we're being, it's pejorative and just punitive. Uh, about the, that's not what this word is about. It really is saying that we love one another and get to know one another well enough in a church community that when we see brothers and sisters in Christ walking away from the Lord, we're willing to come alongside and say, what I see happening in your life, this, this will get you into some traps and addictions that will be really hard to, to break. Let's turn back again. How can you do this in a larger church? This is going to come up later where there have to be smaller communities where we get to know one another and love one another, to have the courage to actually speak into one another's lives. This has happened here a lot in the history of Lake Avenue Church. My first year in coming here, I visited a lot of our adult classes and heard the marvelous stories of when people were leaving their husbands or leaving their wives, the class would go and call them back again. 
We've had times when I was here, when people walked away from the Lord and the opportunity to, to experience the grace of God, but a calling away from the way that you've been living has taken place here, sometimes unseen, sometimes seen. But this is an important part of the life of the church. We've got to care enough about one another that we're willing to step into one another's life and with grace and the offer of a new beginning like God offers us all the time, we admonish one another and call people back to Jesus. Do you see that? So we, we teach one another, we, we uh, proclaim Christ. When we do so and see people walking away from the ways of Jesus, perhaps writing things on social media that are just vicious, we just go and say with love and without arrogance, but with firmness like Paul Cedar, I don't see much of the spirit of Christ in that and call people back again. So we proclaim Christ, we admonish one another, and of course then we teach one another because we don't even know what to admonish and what is wrong unless we know the word of God. So yes, uh, Lake Avenue Church has been, through its history, is, and by God's grace will always be a place when you come in, this word is gonna be open. There is a reason that why when we have the sermon from the pulpit, we, we open up and say, what does he say in the book of Colossians? Because it's our authority for faith and life. It's the word from our Father about how we're supposed to live. So our children, when they come to the Maple Street building, we've got to open the word and teach them and bring the relevance of this word into their lives. And the same thing with our students. And don't you feel like you need week by week by week to come in and hear what God has to say. I, I've preached from Colossians 1, 28, 29 to you and often every time I open it up, even speaking to you today, it feels like a fresh message that I and we need to hear again because we change and the issues change, but this word is constant and directs us. So when you come, you just got to know that if we're faithful to this guiding statement, which I think is the command of scripture, we will be taught the word of God. Only then will we know what he says about how he would have us to live to become complete in Christ. So that, those are the three words that he uses here. I, I, and I, I do wanna sort of close with this. So it's a trip that we're on. It begins by bringing Christ into the center of our lives. It continues as within the life of the church, as those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and among us, all of us, that we proclaim Christ as the center of our lives, that we admonish when we see one another going astray out of love and, and desire that all of us will grow. We're all gonna need that and we continue to teach one another so we'll know how God would have us to live. Now, how, where will this trip end? In your English version, you don't see this, but it is there. You've got to know that Paul wrote this in Greek. Each one, each one, each one, three times he says it. The, the translators didn't do it because they, I think they thought English speakers will get bored by this. You know, it seems so much repetition, but it's, there's a reason why it's there. It's, it's because each one is going to become complete in Christ, us individually and us as a whole. And it's a beautiful thing to even imagine. It's a wonderful journey to be on. And we'll be doing that throughout this series. Uh, so I thought, what is the best thing that I can do? I've used a lot of words. So now I, I wanna use a, a visual image. I, th I think this will help you to, to realize what our vision is about and what you can anticipate God finishing in, in your life and in our church. 
I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Rondonini Pieta that was done by Michelangelo. I, I have a picture, I hope I have, aha, there it is. We have a picture of it right, yes, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to clap with you there. Um, Michelangelo, as he got older, originally he had tried to do things that were more um, natural sculptures of, of, of what the human body looks like, and what it's like. but as, as he got to be older, he kind of moved into a Neoplatonism in which he was trying to have, to have the ideal form of what a human being would be like. As a part of that, he began to get this idea that when he would get uh, the marble that he was going to be making his sculpture out of, that it wasn't him trying to create something perfect, but instead that the perfect form was already there in the marble. And his word was, well, it, he was going to try it, just set it free. He already saw or someone saw <laughs> what that sculpture piece should be, but what his role was not to try to create it, but just to set free that perfect uh, sculpture that it was going to be. And the, the Rondonidi Pieta, and all of you who are involved in music and the arts or writing or anything, you know that most artists and most writers have unfinished works. This is one of Michelangelo's unfinished works. He worked on it though, setting it free, thinking all he had to do was let it come out from what it was for 12 years, the last 12 years of his life. Over and over again. And the last week that he, that he was alive, he worked on it every day until one day he worked on it nonstop for 24 hours and he was just at the end of his life. But when he died, it was still unfinished. Oh, let's put it back up again. It was still unfinished. In fact, one of the arms of Jesus as Mary is there with him uh, was broken. I, I think there's so much about this illustration that is good for us. That, that when God looks at us, he already sees what he's going to make us to be. He, he is not limited in the way that we are as human beings. He already sees that. What he's in the process of doing now with us as individuals and with us as a church is taking us from where we are, taking us to the, way, the word that Paul uses in Ephesians 2.10, making a masterpiece that makes known his glory to the world, oaks of righteousness that declare his splendor. There's something different about God doing this from what happened with Michelangelo. Does any, anybody know what that is? You don't have to yell it out in church. I don't think you're going to here at Lake. I think our students at Wheaton would be yelling at me right now. It's Michelangelo left his unfinished. And God will not. Isn't this our hope? The hope of glory is that what God starts, he's going to finish in us. Thanks, praise be to Jesus for that. So today, what do I want you to take home from this? Well, surely I want you to make sure that you truly have received Jesus into the center of your life. Even if you have said something like, I believe in you many times before, will you reaffirm that even now? As we're saying, I'm, I'm your child. I no longer have to be a slave of fear. I see what you have promised to do in me. I want you to make sure that you are a true believer following Jesus. Make that recommitment even now. Make note of it. A fresh affirmation of your faith in Jesus. 
Second thing, so that's, that's receive. Second word I want to give you is renew. Even if Jesus is at the center of your life, I'm sure that you can find areas in your life where you know this is not yet complete in Christ. Can, can anybody think of any in, in your life right now? Will you take time right now to confess those to him? Get that right with him. Even if you almost have given up hope that he can set you free. Michelangelo couldn't set that thing free, but he can. And much of it can happen within the life of this community itself. So I want you to renew your life and, and hear him say when you confess that when you do, I will be who I am, faithful, just, I will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all that's not right and begin again with you. He will not give up until he has completed his work in us. Amen, right? Hallelujah. So, receive, renew, and then I want you to make this recommitment. This series of messages is, is called uh, Homecoming, right? You know what I want you to do? I pray that you will do. Make a recommitment to this local church body. As imperfect as we all are and the struggles that we'll still have to figure out to, to work through together, we don't do this alone. He is in us. If we keep turning back to him and don't give up on one another and certainly never giving up on his ability to do what we can't do, I think we will see the power of God. And we will give witness to his reconciling work that is very real, offering hope to all people whose lives are broken. And I pray that we will continue to do that until Jesus returns. And until his work is finished in you and in us. Continue walking with him and turning back to him and until all of our lives display the splendor of God until each one of us is complete in Christ. It will be, it will be, and it will be to his glory. Amen and amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, I, you, your word has spoken to me from this text that I've seen, you've spoken to me afresh during these past weeks as I've thought about the beautiful privilege I've had of opening this word and bringing it into this sanctuary. Now, Father, take this word. May it not return void. May there be people here who give their lives to you through faith in Jesus now. May there be some of us who've almost given up hope that our lives can be remade that will take a fresh time of of confessing our sins and receiving the cleansing and beginning again with you. And Father, use this vision that comes from your word to knit this church family together that with one heart and one voice, we might make your glory known here to Pasadena and to the world. And we pray this in the name of our majestic Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, let's stand together. Holiness, holiness. 
Church family, would you join me in thanking Pastor Greg for that message? As we close today, just a reminder for all of you that you are loved, you are loved, you are loved by the God who has called you by this church family who continues to love you. And I hope you recognize that and see that in the people around you. We are gonna continue to love you the best way we know how. Um, we are gonna continue to pray for you. So if you're along that journey or you just started that journey, 
whether you're online or here in this space, we've got people to pray with you. So over to my left, your right, down front, we've our prayer team who's ready and willing to pray with you, to care for you, to hold that burden with you as we do uh, as believers in Christ. If you're online, you can reach out in the comments or you can send an email to our prayer team at prayers at lake.org. Those are spaces where we will be able to reach out back to you and let you know that we're praying for you. Pastor Jeff is away with our fourth and fifth graders this weekend. He is serving that team and uh, it, is, it is hard. As a, as a youth pastor myself, it is, it is hard when those moments come and you don't get to be in those spaces. And so we're so grateful that he's been able to be there this weekend, continue to pray for them. And as we close today, hear these words, these good words, this benediction. May the God of grace and mercy and peace cause you to be reminded that God loves you. God loves you just where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. May he remind you that God loves us. This congregation near and far, God loves us, but God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Go from here in his grace and his peace. Amen and amen. Go in peace.